turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. As you're doing that, I want to cover a, a few announcements just right now at, as we get started, just to emphasize them and talk about a few things that are coming up so that we're all aware of them over the next few weeks. Let me, uh, we'll go in chronological order. So let's start with April 23rd. You see on your announcements, that's next Sunday. We're going to do a deacon ordination during this service. The next two weeks are going to be about, yeah, ordination. One of our values at New Hope is reproducing leaders. And we want to empower leaders and encourage leaders. And so everything I'm about to say is kind of in the vein of that. And so on April 23rd, next Sunday, we'll uh, do deacon ordinations. We'll talk about deacons. We'll talk about what, they, uh, what their role is within the church and in our congregation, and we'll have a great time to kind of pray over them and officially ordain them, which means to set them apart specifically for the task that God's called them to. Ordination is a word that is used to emphasize the importance of the fact that not only do we recognize their service, but we recognize their service is specifically called by God to that service. And so we when we ordain, what we are saying is we are confirming that God has called you and has pointed you to this and that we lay hands on you to bless you and also to submit to what God has called you to in the role within that congregation. And then on April 30th, uh, the following Sunday, so two weeks from today, at 2 o'clock, that's our Doxa service uh, church plant that we're the sending church of, so um, uh, that we help kind of uh, oversee and are part of supporting at 2 o'clock that Sunday. That is their last Sunday with us here in this building. Their, their goal has always been to get back to Manhattan, and they found a location in Manhattan that they're going to start uh, worshiping at. Uh, they're going to be meeting at Graffiti Church. We've partnered with Graffiti Church in the past, but they're going to be meeting with them uh, beginning in May. And so on April 30th, I want to invite you all, if you aren't too busy that day, to come to the 2 o'clock service in order to support, and we're going to do a send-off service for them. It's going to be an opportunity very similar to where we're going to pray on the 23rd over deacons. It's an opportunity for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside them, worship with them. I'm going to give them a charge uh, specifically to their call as church planting within the commu- uh, whatever community they end up in long-term. Graffiti Church may also still be a temporary until they find a more long-term uh, location. But Manhattan is where they feel God called them to. So we invite you all to come and just support them and encourage them. Also, they uh, uh, it's not public fully yet, al- although it's final in congregation. Knows they've hired a full-time pastor. And so that will actually be my last Sunday as well as their pastor. I'll still be preaching some weeks, but he'll start in May. So it's an opportunity for us to kind of close a chapter to send them off and so if you're available at 2 o'clock on April 30th coming out, there's not child care. Um, so if you bring children, just you know, be responsible with that. Then on the same day at 4 o'clock, we're going to do a pastoral ordination for Brian Whitaker. Brian Whitaker, uh, I, if he hadn't had a chance to tell you, spoiler alert. Yeah, we'll vote. Uh, I mean, we'll clap. Um, a church this afternoon voted to call him as their pastor. And so Brian in May is going to step into his first pastorate. And so we have the privilege as a congregation to come alongside him, lay hands on him in a pastoral ordination, which is to say that we 
believe that God is calling you to this, that God has called you to pastor. We get to come along as his uh, church, lay hands on him and pray for him. So that entire service will be dedicated to talking about what is that we just spend the week before talking about deacons. We'll spend this week talking about elders and pastors and the role of elders and pastors. And then we'll have an opportunity to lay hands and pray on him. And then we'll have a reception uh, to follow. And so a lot of lots going on in the next few weeks, all with an emphasis of recognizing here's an opportunity to just continue to empower leaders, lay our hands on leaders, and encourage uh, them and what God is calling them to. This has kind of happened not fast in the sense of it just got final and he's going to start in May. And uh, so we're able, the timing works great. We're able to do that ordination. It's a big deal. We're proud of him. Um, and so it's just an opportunity to celebrate. So a lot of cool things coming up in the next few weeks. So please come be a part of it. April 23rd, Deacon Ordination. April 30th at 2 o'clock, we'll do a send-off for Doxa Church. And then at 4 o'clock on April 30th, we'll do a Deacon Ordination with a reception and kind of dinner-type reception to follow. Not potluck, so you don't have to do anything, uh, but just an opportunity for us to eat together and celebrate uh, what God's doing in Brian's life. Um, yeah, and I'll allow him to give details of the church and those kind of things. I'm, ta- I'm still in a little bit of his thunder, uh, but I need to announce it. So it is what it is, all right? So uh, congratulate him, celebrate that. I'm just really grateful uh, for that. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I've been kind of in Hebrews recently, just reading it, being encouraged by it. I've got a few messages I'm kind of working through um, from Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter 12 is probably one of the most preached passages uh, from Hebrews, rightfully so. And so I want to read this passage, and then we'll begin to unpack it together. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's not just my um, background a little bit. New Hope is pretty familiar with the whole running idea. This is a text that talks about race and running. Uh, Running is something that's been in my background that I enjoy doing, but a lot of times my knees and my hips don't allow me to do it as much as I want. But a couple years ago, I was in one of these campaigns where I was trying to run a longer race, and I was beginning to train for it. Um, I don't remember if it was one of the... uh, It was We were doing, I think it was one of the half marathons we were doing for the church uh, as a group, but then I was going to try to train for the full marathon, and so I was beginning to build my mileage. But like me, it's pretty normal, is I jump into it kind of last minute. So I didn't give myself enough time to build up the mileage the way I was supposed to. And so on this particular Saturday, I was doing a long run. Uh, and many of you have heard this story, but uh, if not, you'll, you'll get a good laugh at my expense here in a moment. Uh, on this particular Saturday, on this long run, I needed to like skip a week in the long run. So normally you might progress a mile each week, and then you take, kind of take a break, and then you progress. Well, I needed to catch up. So I was going from 11 miles to 14 miles. I was making a huge step. It was not advisable. I ended up getting injured. Don't, don't follow my example. But on this bit, thanks, Charles. But on, so on this particular Saturday, I was running, my goal was to run 14 miles. But also, I hate running on the road. 
I, I just prefer uh, trails. And so I, I drove um, over here to uh, Forest Park. They have a, like a 2.3, 2.5 mile loop that's all trails. And I was going to run that six times. So I drove there, I did that, and I, at the end, I'm just exhausted uh, for a number of reasons. One, because I ran 14 miles and I wasn't ready to run 14 miles. Trail running's harder than the road because you're do- dodging roots and different things, so you're just, it's just a little bit more difficult. Um, well, w- when I run, um, I don't run with headphones, I don't run with a phone, I don't run with anything. Um, only thing I run with is a car key. And I zip it in the back pocket of my shorts, and that's the only thing that I take, and I leave everything else in the car. Finish the 14 miles, get back to my car, reach back there. The key has fallen out of my pocket. That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. I'm pretty sure the first few words that I thought of were not, should never be said. I was just like panic mode for a second. So I, for first, the first thought was, okay, like I got to go find the key. So I turn around and realize I just ran 14 miles in the woods. Like, there's no telling where that key is. So that's not an option. Can't call my wife. Can't call anybody because my phone's right there through the window, locked car. I don't have my wallet, so I can't, you know, use public transportation of any kind. And I had this realization, I've got to run home. Like, my only option is i got to run home, which was another three to three and a half miles, something like that. Ended up being almost 18 miles total. And so I just, I got about 45 minutes to an hour of daylight left, and I'm hurting, and I just realized, all right, it's time to run. I just got to run. So I take off running, and it it hurts. I run, walk, run, walk. I was over here, true story. I was, where are we? So this way, over here on Grand Central and 164th. It was, I didn't have the walk signal, which I was happy with. I was happy to stop. And I lay down. Like, I just lay down on the sidewalk. Now, we see a lot of crazy things in New York. And we ignore a lot of crazy things in New York. But apparently, I looked bad enough that a guy pulled up in the car, rolled down the window, and asked if I needed help. Like, it was that bad. And I told him, no, I'm fine. Pride at that point, you know, was in the way. I was like, no, I'm doing it now. Like, I'm making it home. I'm almost there. I'll make it home. So I made it home. I ended up getting injured. Didn't get to run the race because I hurt my hip. But here's the point. When we think about running the Christian life, well, actually, let me just give you the point of the sermon, and that will kind of make the point of the illustration. The, the main idea of this sermon is this. Although difficult, or although it may be difficult, the Christian life is a race that must be run. When the writer of Hebrews is given a challenge to us, because there's only one challenge in this text, there's only one command in this text, which is, let us run. Let us run. Now he gives qualifiers, let us run with endurance. But he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When we think about running a race within the Christian life, and we think about the challenge to us to let us run, or let us, as Paul would write uh, to Timothy, to continue in the faith, I don't have to give a challenge to people to run who are currently running, and running's easy. A challenge... To run here is recognizing the difficulty at times that comes with running the race that he is referring to. And what I want to talk about today is that running the Christian race at times is filled with great joy. And at times there's highs and it's great, but at times there's a lot of difficulty. It's in the context of difficulty that this passage is written, and it's in the context of difficulty that I want to challenge us with today. 
I gave the illustration of me running, not just because the text is talking about a race, because there's this moment in the running when I had this realization, I had no choice but to run home. I couldn't think of another option. I mean, there might have been the other option of waving somebody down and trying to get them, but I'm from Memphis. You get shot for that in Memphis. You, literally, you do. Um, and so I was just like, I don't know if they'll think that's weird in New York, and I'm a super introvert. So I was like, I'd rather run than talk to someone that I don't know on the side of the road. And remember, I run in shorts that are about this, you know, and so like, and I had no shirt on. So I was like, this is going to be awkward. And so I just like, I'll just run home. But there's this realization that I had no other option but to keep running the race. I wanted to quit. And if you've ever run before, there have been plenty of moments you want to quit. And in the Christian life, there are many moments we want to quit. But the challenge of today's text is that although difficult, It is a race that must be run. It's not a race that we can decide to not run. It's not a race that we can just go, you know what? I believe in Jesus, and then nothing comes after that. But the Christian life is a life that is described as a race that we must run. I want to read some passages. They'll be on the screen that Paul gives us talking about. He doesn't always use the word race, but he's talking about the Christian life and at times the difficulty of it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Notice here that Paul's saying that what's been granted or called to you is not just to believe in Jesus, but also to suffer for Jesus, to be engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Describing the Christian life, as belief and a conflict of lifestyle that might lead even to suffering. In fact, guaranteed at times to lead to suffering. Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians 2 verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. 1 Thessalonians 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of what? Much conflict. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Second Timothy, he talks about himself and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I want you to notice that progression. I have fought the fight. He equates fight then and goes illustratively, metaphorically to say, then the fight is a race. And then he gets specific to say, I've kept the faith. To fight the fight and to keep and and to run the race means that you have kept the faith. It means that you have been faithful and you have walked and continue to put one foot in front of of the other. There's never been a time, and I'll continue to use this illustration throughout the service or throughout the sermon, but there's never been a more of a time when I was running where I just told myself, I just got to put one foot in front of the other. Just get home. Once you get home, you can get a hot shower, you can get food. Just keep going. And imagine the moments for me at the end of any race, but especially that particular day where I was proud of the fact that I'd, I'd run further than I've ever run in a long time, but the moment I was done. I got home, 
I pretty much crawled up the stairs, literally. I mean, like, I felt like this hurts. I only had like four steps, but it was, it was just a bad day. Bad day. But that feeling of going, I did it. See, when we think about the Christian life, my pastor David Jett used to say it all the time, and I say it to you. If the Christian life was so easy, everybody would do it. But the Christian life is difficult, and at times painful, at times moments where we just are just laying down, feeling like we can't keep going. But it's a race that we must keep running. It's a race that we put one foot in front of the other because it is worth it. Paul writes, or, or uh, he didn't write, but he taught, says in Acts 20, 24, I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. See, Paul was focused on his race. He was focused on his journey. Now, in today's sermon, I, I am speaking generally about the idea that we are all called to run the, the race of the Christian life. Metaphorical, talking about the race, this idea of this journey where we put one foot in front of the other and we keep going, that we have a prize, we have a goal that we simply call the Christian life of living faithful to Christ. But there are, I believe, for all of us, as referenced here with Paul in Acts 20, where he says, I have a specific course that God is calling me to. And so I do want us to just take a moment, even though this isn't the main idea that, and that we're really unpacking in today's text, but I do want you to take a moment to think about what is your unique race? What is your unique calling? And are you being faithful to that? Because all of us are called to run the race of the Christian life and be faithful. But then also within that, God has uniquely placed us in locations for our living and for work and with friend groups and different things that no one else has the exact same life as you, and therefore you have your own unique race to run for the glory of God. And the question is, are you running that race? Are you running it and running the course? Are you running the Christian life in general? But are you running the Christian life that God has given you? Not to say that there are some principles that are the same for all, but it is to say that my calling is to be a pastor. And if I was doing something different than that, whether I was successful or not, it might not, I might not be able to say that I'm being faithful to what God has for me. I'm not saying that everybody becomes a pastor, but you get my point is I have something that I, want, I know that God's given me that I need to be faithful to. The Christian life in general and pastoring specific and a faithful husband and father and those kind of things. But do we recognize that the Christian life is a race that we must keep running. There are a few things from the text that I just want to unpack, and kind of two simple truths that we'll unpack from this that give us encouragement of how we are to run this race. Because it's one thing to go, okay, let's run the Christian race, but then what are some ways that we are to do it? And here it says, let us also, verse 1, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, there's a couple of ways to, un to understand weight and sin. He could be saying weight, because when you think about running, weight slows you down. He's, so he's, it's possible that the writer is using weight as a way to illustrate the impact that sin has on us. Sin weighs us down in the Christian life in the same way that weight lays, weighs us down in a race. 
It's one way. But grammatically, it could also be seen as two separate things. Not just weight being metaphorical of sin, but weight and sin being actually two separate things that are being referenced here. As if to say, there are things, sin, which I think for all of us in the Christian life, as Christians, we'd be able to acknowledge, yes, sin affects our Christian walk. Sin slows us down. Sin affects us from being faithful to God. Sin is not a good thing in the Christian race, right? But when we think about weight, what is weight being referred to? As I mentioned, it could be metaphor referring to sin, or it could just be referring to anything else that weighs us down that might not be sin. Because there are things in the Christian life that weighs us down that's not sinful necessarily. Meaning there are good things that could weigh us down from running the race that God has for us. There could be good things in God's creation that get in the way of us being faithful to him. That may not necessarily be sinful, but it just may not be what's best for us or what the things that God has for us. And so how do we run faithful this race that God's called us to? the race that we must run, the race that we can't choose to to quit on, the race that we must continue forward. We do it by laying aside anything that holds us back, any weight or sin. Sin being kind of obvious as a bad thing, but weight sometimes can be a good thing that's not so obvious to us. It, It can be a good situation or a good job or good something that just as a distraction, maybe, from what God has. It's a good thing, but not the best thing. This happens. Maybe this will help illustrate the point a lot. As a pastor within a church, there's a lot of good things that we could do as a church. But we have limited people, limited time, and limited resources. And so one of the things that leaders often ask is, what is the thing that we need to do? Not just what can we do, but what must we do? What do we feel like are the things that we have to do as a church? Like some things we're going to have to say no to, but what are the things that we can't say no to, that we just feel like, like this is what we have to do? See that? We can't do everything. So therefore, we must be recognized that we got to focus on what's best for whatever reason in our context and our resources that we feel like is best. And if we're not careful, we can allow good things to distract us from better things. I personally think that's what weight's being referred to here is that we have things in our life that are good for us, but it's just not what's best for us. And it keeps us maybe from running an exact way that God has for us. It may make it heavier and more difficult than it has to be. The Christian life is difficult on its own. We don't need to add any other burden to it. Two ideas that will encourage us, I think, that can help encourage us as we run the Christian life. First, as we looked to those behind us and beside us. Look at the beginning of, the, of verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Notice that the writer of Hebrews starts with, he's about to give the challenge, go run a race. Run the Christian race. Like be faithful and run the Christian race. But he starts with chapter 11 by talking and giving examples of all these people who have already faithfully run the life of faithfulness to God. In fact, it begins even before chapter 11. Let's just, for reference sake, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about how we are to be faithful to God because He is faithful in His promises. We just sung it. 
that God is faithful in his promises and he's a God who does not lie. Therefore, you can trust him and walk faithful with him. And then the writer of Hebrews gives examples of people who are faithful. And then we get to Hebrews 11, the hall, uh, hall of faith, where it just lists off people from the Old Testament that are faithful, that are faithful, that are faithful, that are faithful, that suffered and died. You read the story of someone who was sawn in two. It doesn't name the person in Hebrews 11. It's believed to be Isaiah who hid in a tree trunk. And what they did, they came and just cut the tree in half with him in it. You have people who are faithful and still continue to run the race. And therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, based off that witness of those people who have gone before you, you too be faithful. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy reading biographies. I think biographies are a great way to encourage us in the Christian faith. It's a great way to encourage us of other people and how they dealt with situations and how they dealt with trials and tribulations and how they continue to run faithful no matter what. It encourages me that I too can run faithful. When we hear examples of other people and what they've done, it encourages us. Last night, um, uh, I'm thinking of the movie, I watched Top Gun Maverick again. I saw it in theaters It's been out a while, but I've been afraid to watch it. And the reason why I've been afraid to watch it is because it was just so good in the surround sound in the theater that I was like, on the TV, like, am I just going to be disappointed? But I finally watched it last night. And there's this part in the movie where they're trying to get, if you haven't seen it yet, you need to go see it, but I'm not going to spoiler alert it, where they've got this mission and nobody can do it, but you've got Tom Cruise, Maverick comes in and he goes and does it. Like he does the mission faster than anybody else. And then after that, they're just like, okay, we can do it too. Like, we can do this. And they go and do it, and it's a fun movie, happy ending, their smiles. But what's the point? What was the turnaround? The turnaround in the movie was when somebody set an example who had gone before them trying to teach students, and then the students go, I can do this too. There are people all throughout Scripture who have set an example for us, but there are people not only behind us in Scripture and in history, but there are people beside us. There are people beside us encouraging us. One of the the joys of running, because that's the illustration we keep using, it can be true for a lot of things, but I enjoy running with other people. They help me not quit. They help me keep going. Because there's someone beside us encouraging to press on. And it's the same is true within the Christian life, within this church family, that we can look behind us. We can look to people in history. We can look to people who have gone before us, but we can look to people beside us been so encouraged at times when I am exhausted in the Christian life where I'm just like on the side of the road laid out on the Christian life, just tired. I'm grateful that there's a brother or sister that comes along and says, are you okay? Can I help you? And encourage me to get up and to keep going. I want to say this, and I want to be clear. As your pastor, I believe the Bible. I believe the gospel. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe every word in this. But that does not mean there hadn't been moments where I just wanted to quit. Where I just said, this is just too difficult. It'd be so much easier just to live for myself. It'd be so much easier not to try to honor God with my life. It would just be so much easier. And so even as someone who believes, there's still the temptation to quit. So we must be encouraged by those behind us and beside us. And so I'm thankful 
It's one of the reasons why we emphasize living surrounded by a community of faith. It's one of our emphases within our church because we understand the importance of locking arms with other brothers and sisters, to be in life with one another, to encourage one another. Because to run this race, we cannot run it alone. We must run it with others. One of my favorite races that I had the privilege of doing, I'm biased because I'm from Memphis, but there's other reasons, but the St. Jude Half Marathon and Marathon in Memphis every year. It's the first Saturday of December every single year. It's one of my favorite races for a number of reasons that I've run is because it's a music city, so there's like bands all along the street the entire time. But my favorite reason is because there's a part of the race that runs through St. Jude. St. Jude is in Memphis, cancer, Ch- Children's Cancer Research Hospital, and there's a part where you run through St. Jude. You don't go into the building, but you go like through the parking lot and things like that. And you have children and patients just lining both sides of the run. You got uh, the hospital rooms filled with just banners, encouraging. It's an emotional experience. But I promise you, I didn't run. I didn't run like ready to quit through that section of the race. Through that section of the race, I was so encouraged. I was reminded of why I had raised money. I was reminded of why I paid fees to suffer in a run. It was interesting now we pay to suffer. And so, but I was reminded why this was a good thing because those beside me encouraged me to keep going. And in the Christian life, if we're struggling to run the race, then might we look behind us and be encouraged by those who have been faithful before us? And might we look around us And if we don't have people around us, might we get around others and have people around us? But then lastly, the text tells us not only to look behind us and beside us, but we must look to Jesus before us. Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When we run a race, it's important for us to be focused on the end goal. As a simple way, once again, to illustrate the running, um, if, you're, if you don't run, here's a lot of running illustrations. When I want to quit and I'm towards the end, one of the things that I do that helps me keep going is I find an obstacle up ahead, whether it be a light post or a house, that I go, all right, don't quit, just run to that spot. And then when I get to that spot, I find another spot. And I said, don't quit, just run to that spot. And next thing you know, you finally get all the way to the end. But I'm focused on something that is saying, hey, if you just get to that thing, like that's your goal, just focus on it. Don't be distracted by the hill. Don't be distracted by anything else. Just focus on that spot and get to that spot. Jesus, he had a goal that had in mind. And it says, with joy, the joy that was before him. He focused in on the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And we too are called with the joy that is set before us of eternity with him. For the joy that is set before us of God's glory and his fame amongst the nations for all eternity, we too look to him. And we too focus on him. He is the object that we are focusing on as we run this race. We are not distracted. We are encouraged by people around us, but we're focused on Jesus before us. We're not distracted by the weight and sin which clings onto us, but instead we put that off. We take all that weight and we put it down. It's one of the reasons I don't run with my phone. 
because it weighs on me. I don't like things on me because when I run, I want to have all of it off of me so that I can run the race that is before me. In the same way in the Christian life, let us let go of everything that is distracting us and holding us back from just running hard and focused on Jesus. Whether it be good things or sinful things, we put them beside. We focus on Jesus and we run before him. The race that we are called to run at moments will be great. It will be joyful. At moments, it will be difficult. But it is always worth it. Because in the same way, and I close with this, in the same way that miserable Saturday where I lost the key to my car, I just longed to get home. I just knew that once I get home, there's rest. The pain will be over. The difficulty will be over. There will be rest. In the same way in the Christian life, our focus is on eternity with Christ, our focus on Christ. And when moments where we face difficulty in this race, we are reminded, but let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other because once we get home, the rest is so good. The rest is so worth it. The prize is Jesus Christ himself for all eternity. So Christian, I encourage you today that you have a race that must be run. It's not optional if you want to pursue Christ. It's not optional if you want to be a Christian. It's a race that must be run. It's a race where you're focused on Jesus. You're seeking after him to honor him and glorify him. So I encourage you today. You may be running this race. You may be doing great. You may not be. You may be like me over here on Grand Central on 164 laying out on the sidewalk and just be like, I, I'm just, I, I, I don't know that I can keep going. And maybe today's message was encouragement just to get up and keep taking one step in front of the other. Because as we sung earlier, God is always faithful to us. He'll be faithful to carry you home. Just walk with him. And when you feel like quitting, Scripture says that he is faithful even when we are not, and he will continue to help carry you home. So run the Christian race, even when you want to quit. It is worth it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you, and we thank you for salvation that is in you. For the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. The joy of redemption the joy of forgiveness for us, the joy of grace for us, the joy of defeating death and sin, the joy of victory and praise to your name. For that joy, you ran your race faithfully. You endured the cross, despising the shame. You were victorious. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of that victory, we can have victory when we put our faith and trust in you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you just allow us to look at our hearts and ask the question, are, are we running the Christian life? Meaning, are we pursuing you above all? Is our faith in you? Is our belief in you? 
And then are we walking day by day to bring you honor and glory? Are we walking day by day to be faithful to you? Are we walking day by day focused on you, constantly getting away any weight or sin that clings on us, getting rid of it and focusing on you? And Jesus, I'm so grateful for a God who loves me so much that when I am laying on the side of the road, given up, you are always there to pick me up. You're always there to be faithful and that you will complete the work of salvation in my life. Because he who, he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. So I thank you that in you, you guarantee to help us finish this race. To be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the race. I mean, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I pray for New Hope today that you would encourage us to keep running faithfully after you. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is newhopenyc. Our website is www. Dot newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.